God, our Father, we pray as we've just sung that you would speak to us by your word and build us, your church, so that the world may be filled with your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Faith, love, and hope. The gospel bearing fruit. Knowledge of God's will. Wisdom and spiritual understanding. Walking worthy of the Lord. Pleasing Him. Bearing fruit in every good work. Growing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened by God. Endurance and patience. Joy and thankfulness in the gospel. Does that sound like your prayer list when you go to pray on a morning or when you come to pray with your gospel team? That's my question for this morning. What is your prayer list? What are the things that you pray for yourselves or for others? Does any of those things that I mentioned make it onto your list? Maybe you think, yeah, all those things. I pray for all those things. Or maybe you think, hmm, maybe I don't pray for many of those things. Maybe you're a bit of a mix of both. What do you pray when you pray for yourself and for those you love? Well, whatever you do or don't pray, whatever is on your list or not, the good thing is that this passage, Paul in Colossians 1, gives us something to learn gives every one of us something to take away and grow in, in our own personal prayer. Well, let's look at this wonderful passage together, Colossians 1, but let's first of all remember the story so far. This is week two in Colossians, so what did we see last week? Well, we saw last week the powerful gospel of Jesus had come to the city of Colossae through a man named Epaphras, and the gospel had borne fruit As Epaphras preached, people came to faith, and miraculously, a church was born. Now, many, many years later, down the track, the Apostle Paul is hundreds of miles away in Rome, imprisoned and awaiting his trial, and he gets a visitor. Epaphras, the man who started the Colossian church, comes and brings news of how they're going. And Paul is overjoyed. And so he writes them this letter. Though he's never met them, he starts his letter, we saw last week, by thanking and praising God. What for? For their faith, love, and hope. They have a genuine faith that is working itself out in love as they hope, as they wait for the hope of heaven. The gospel is powerfully bearing fruit in the Colossians' lives, lives. God is at work, and so Paul is thankful. Well, this week we get Paul's second half of his prayer about the Colossians, except he moves from thanksgiving for them to prayer for them. So compare verse 3 and 9. Have a look with me. Verse 3, we always thank God when we pray for you. Then verse 9, for this reason also, since the day we heard this, their faith, hope, and love, we haven't stopped praying for you. Paul has never met them, but boy does he pray for them. It says he never stops praying for them. That's an encouragement for us, isn't it? Straight off the bat, to be praying unceasingly for those who are known to us, fellow Christians, whether we know them or not. 
So what does Paul then pray for the Colossian church? What can we learn from his prayer for the Colossians? We begin by praying for growth. So come with me. Let's dig into these verses. Verse 9 is where we're starting. He says, For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Wow, it's such a magnificent prayer, isn't it? Can you imagine the Apostle Paul praying this prayer for you? Can you imagine being filled with all knowledge of God's will, all wisdom, spiritual understanding? Sounds amazing, doesn't it? But what does it mean? Well, Paul actually shows us what he means in verse 10. He goes on to say, why do I I pray this? So that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work. This helps us to understand what Paul means. Paul's prayer for knowledge, for spiritual understanding, for wisdom, it sounds like a high and lofty prayer, doesn't it? And it is, but this is what it's not. It's not a prayer for mystical, sage-like wisdom. It's not a prayer that we would glide around quoting peaceful proverbs and everyone around us was like, ah. No, Paul is instead simply praying this. That they would know everything that they need to know to live for Jesus. Can you see? It's very practical, isn't it? I pray, Paul says, that you will know everything you need to know so that you can walk worthy of the Lord. So that you can walk with Him faithfully, obeying Him, pleasing Him, centered on Him, bearing fruit in every good work. This is our great desire and privilege as believers, isn't it? That we have been brought from darkness to light, and so now we want to walk worthy of our Lord. That we have been saved from sin and death, so now we want to please the God who has saved us. This is what Paul says in all his letters, isn't it? Think of Ephesians 2 for a moment. You are saved by grace through faith, so that you can do the good works that God has prepared for you to do. Or think of Titus 2 for a moment. Jesus died to cleanse for himself a people eager to do good. Or think of 2 Timothy 1 for a second. Paul says he saved us by grace and called us with a holy calling. And so to have knowledge of God's will is not to have mystical knowledge. It's not even to know the future. It's to know that God hates sin and that he calls us to put it to death. It's to know that he loves righteousness and we are to clothe ourselves in that. Knowledge of God's will is not knowledge for whether or not I should take this job or that job. It's about making decisions that honor him whichever job that you choose. It's about making decisions that don't idolize work or career. That is walking worthy of the Lord. That is wisdom. It's knowing that he wants us to work hard in whatever circumstances we find ourselves, as if we're working for him. That is God's will, knowing what a life centered on Christ looks like. 
And so to have spiritual wisdom, to have spiritual understanding, to know what God desires in different situations, that's what it is. And so if there is someone needy before us, we are generous. To know that we need to be self-controlled and not retaliate when we are sinned against. To turn to God in prayer when we're overwhelmed and fearful. The list could go on, but that is wisdom. That is spiritual understanding. That's what Paul prays for the Colossians. A life centered on Christ. In a word, you could say it's discernment. He prays that they would be able to discern, how do I walk worthy of the Lord? How do I please Him? How do I bear fruit? What is God's will? How do I live for Him? You know, I grew up in a church culture where this was not really well understood. I grew up in a church culture where trying to find out God's will for your life was a big thing. But what they meant by it was that you need to find out God's step-by-step plan for you so that you would be successful, so that you would marry the person that you're meant to marry, so that you would get the job that you're meant to have, so that you would fulfill your calling in life. And if you didn't seek God hard enough, or if you didn't make the decisions you were meant to make, you might miss out. And God will say, I didn't call you to do that, You got it wrong. But when I came to understand what Paul says here in these verses, what he says in the rest of the New Testament, I was liberated. I was freed. Because I knew that God was now more concerned, not with trying to decipher my life plan, but trying to honor Jesus, whatever circumstances I found myself in when I knew that God's desire was for me to grow in my love and knowledge of Him, not to figure out all the little steps I needed to take, it was an exciting challenge, freeing and challenging both at the same time. And So rather than worry and fear about whether I was doing the right things, making the right choices, whether I had really heard from God about what my life was meant to be, I could get on with living for Jesus joyfully serving Him in everything that I did. Yes, God does want us to think hard about what we do with our lives. He wants us to pray. But He's sovereign. And so we're not going to miss our calling because our calling is to know Christ and to live for Him, isn't it? And I can do that, you can do that, wherever God has placed you in your life. So Paul prays for the Colossians that they would grow in their knowledge of God's will. How to walk worthy of the Lord, faithfully and obediently. But there's a few more things that he goes on to pray that are related. So let's press on. Let's look at the end of verse 10. And you can see he prays that they would be growing in the knowledge of God. So part of being filled with, God's, with knowledge of God's will, part of walking worthy of the Lord, pleasing Him, Paul says is growing in your knowledge of God. Simply put, it's knowing Him better, knowing who He is and what He's done, understanding His character and His actions. And the more that we know Him, the more we will give Him the praise and glory that He deserves and strive to live for Him. This is part of walking worthy of the Lord, 
growing in our knowledge of Him. And so that's why we here at Snack, that's why we all, every week, open up God's Word and say, what do the Scriptures say? What do they say about our Lord? What do they say about who He is and what He's done? That's why we devote ourselves to the public reading of Scripture and teaching and exhortation. That's why we're doing our Term 1 courses in our, on our Wednesday nights this year. We want to grow in our knowledge of God. And praise God, He has revealed His will to us in the pages of His Word. We have it in our hands. What else does Paul pray? Have a look at verse 11. He prays that the Colossians would have strength to do all of this and to persevere in following Jesus. That they would have endurance and patience. Because following Jesus is hard, isn't it? Continuing to trust in Jesus when life is hard, when there is pressure or persecution, is difficult. And if you don't think it's hard, then perhaps you don't actually follow Jesus because he says, take up your cross and follow me. He says the Christian life requires endurance and patience. So we need God's strength, his glorious might, so that we might have all patience and endurance. And I just think it's wonderful that the Apostle Paul prays these words here. Because he, our great apostle, has given us an example of the things that we should expect for God to give us if we turn to him in trustful prayer and ask. Isn't it wonderful to know that we can expect God to give us the strength and perseverance so that we would endure with patience? Well, there's one more thing that Paul prays for us, for the Colossians, sorry. And it's the second point on the outline. But before we get there, I just want to stop and see some things. Did you notice, just as we read those words before, did you notice how extreme Paul's language was? Just scan your eyes over those first few verses again of the passage. Paul prays what? That they would be filled with knowledge, in all wisdom and all understanding, that they would be fully pleasing to God, bearing fruit in every good work, having all endurance, all power, all patience. It's a little bit over the top, isn't he? Paul's getting a little bit too excited, it seems, for us standoffish Aussies. No, what's going on here? Why does he use this all-encompassing language? I have two thoughts. First, Paul prays boldly. Paul does not hold back when he prays to his God and asks for the things that he desires. When Paul prays, he knows he is praying to the God who owns everything, who rules over this universe, and who is the generous Father who loves to give his children good gifts. And so he says, I'm going to pray for it all. I'm going to ask for everything, and I'll see what God gives me. He approaches the throne of grace boldly and asks for whatever he desires. Outlandish things, like people being filled with all strength and having all perseverance and endurance. 
shouldn't we pray the same way? Shouldn't we ask the God who is powerful over all and who is a generous Father for the things that we need? Why not pray that he would heal sicknesses? He's able. Why not pray that he would strengthen us to persevere through the hardest times? Why not pray that every person in Carlton hears the good news of Jesus? Why not pray that God would restore broken relationships that seem too far gone? He will answer those prayers however he wants. He's a father. He knows what is best for his children. He might answer yes. He might answer no. But he is able. And he is generous. And so we as his children are invited to pray boldly to him. My second thought is this. Paul uses this extreme language because following Jesus is all or nothing. Following Jesus is not simply about being nice sometimes or doing nice things for Jesus. It's not about giving 10% to Jesus, not even about 50%. It's about giving your whole life in service of him. It's about being filled, it's about bearing fruit in every good work having all patience and endurance, filled with knowledge, fully pleasing to him. Paul shows us following Jesus is all or nothing. And so my encouragement to you, if you have never put your trust in Jesus, if you've never determined to live for him, or if you've fallen into a half-hearted service of Jesus, then can I encourage you, plead with you, to throw your lot in with Jesus today to give him your all because that is what he has given you isn't it he gave you his life so that you might be saved from sin death and hell and so that you might live a wholehearted joyful life of serving him following him is worth every second well, Paul has been praying for the growth of the Colossians. There's one last thing, our second point, that Paul prays for them. That they would thank the God who has saved them. We won't spend as long on this one. Have a look at verse 11 again. He says, May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience, with joy, giving thanks to the Father. The final and possibly the most important thing that Paul prays for the Colossians is what? For them to grow in joy and thankfulness. Joy and thankfulness are the marks of the Christian, aren't they? Bill reminded us of that last week. Paul here tells us why we are to be joyful and thankful as God's people. He reminds the Colossians of who God is and the amazing things he has done. He can't help but explode into words of praise to the God who saves. So why give thanks to God? Paul gives us three moving reasons. Or really, it's actually one reason said in three different ways. The reason is, he is utterly generous. He is gracious. He has saved us. Read verse 12 with me. He says, I want you to be giving thanks to the Father 
who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. We didn't save ourselves, did we? God the Father has enabled us to share in the saints' inheritance, to share in everything, all the good promises that he has made to his people. Forgiveness of sin, adoption as his children, the gift of the Spirit, most of all, the hope of being raised on the last day to eternal life in the new creation. It's the Father's grace and power that enables us to have all of those blessings, all of those gifts. So he deserves thanks. He puts it another way in verse 13. He has rescued us. God has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. Without God's grace and power, we remain in the kingdom of darkness, unable to see God clearly, unable to understand the world we live in, blind to our evil, unable to help ourselves. But God the Father rescues us. He switches on the lights for us. He transfers us, he migrates us from darkness, from one kingdom to another. From the kingdom of darkness and sin and death where Satan rules with fear to the kingdom of his son, the kingdom of light. So now Jesus is our king and we have nothing to fear. Verse 14 tells us how God does this. Paul says, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins in him, in Jesus. God sent his unique son born into our world to redeem us, to pay the necessary price for our sin so that we would be forgiven, to suffer for sins of the world on that cross so that we can be members of his eternal kingdom. So what is God's will? What is Paul's prayer? That with joy we give thanks to the God who has saved us. To thank him for all that he has done, most of all in the Lord Jesus. And I think that this this activity, this prayer of thankfulness, giving thanks to God, I think that for us as modern Christians, it is both a strength and a weakness. It's a great strength that in our church and across our congregations, so many prayers of thanksgiving are offered up to God, day in, day out, week in, week out in our services. It is wonderful to see our prayers begin with thanksgiving. They should, before we even get to asking for anything. It's wonderful. But sometimes I wonder if just sometimes, those prayers of thanks are just token. We say them because we know we're supposed to, but we don't actually mean them from the heart. Sometimes it seems like we thank God on the way to asking Him for things, and we rush through our prayers of thanks. Well, sometimes I see it when people feel uncomfortable with praying a prayer that is only thanking God. They feel like they have to ask for something in order for it to be a real prayer. Doesn't our God deserve better than that? Thanking Him is good and right in and of itself. You don't need to pray for something 
to make your prayer valid, thanking him is enough. And it honors him when we devote dedicated times of prayer where we just genuinely thank him for all that he's given us, most of all his son. In fact, this is God's, one of God's highest goals for the world that he has made and the people that he has redeemed, that they would thank him day in and day out for saving us and that he would get all the glory. So are you thankful? Do you have joy in the gospel and the God who has saved you? And do you express that joy and thanks to him because of what he's done for you each day? Or have the worries of life or even the pleasures or the busyness of life choked out your joy? Have they snuffed out your thankfulness? Let's take Paul's prayer and let it encourage us, challenge us to pray prayers of thanksgiving, to dedicate prayers of thanksgiving to our God every day. Well, that is Paul's prayer to the Colossians, for the Colossians, isn't it? It's wonderful. It's a prayer for their growth. It's a prayer that they would grow to know God's will and live for him more. It's a prayer that they would have joy and give thanks to the God who saved them. But let's just think briefly about how we respond to a prayer like this. I think whenever you see a prayer like this in the scriptures, whenever you see Paul speak like this, he reveals his heart, doesn't he? He reveals what he desires, what he wants to see in the churches. And so we should be on about the same things, shouldn't we? We should desire to see the very same things that he prays for in our lives and in the life of our church. That we will be knowing God more and living for him, joyfully thanking him for the gospel. And, like Paul, that we be prayerful. That we be imitating Paul's prayer for ourselves and for one another. So what's on your prayer list? What do you pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you pray for them? Shouldn't our prayers be focused on this? That we be filled with the knowledge of God's will. So that we would have all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So that we would walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work. Shouldn't our first prayer for each other be that they be strengthened with all power for all endurance and patience. What could be more important than praying that they would give daily thanks to the Father who has saved them? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we prayed prayers like that for one another and then God answered them? Well, Paul's prayer in this passage should be the focus of our prayer for God's people. Yes, we can take anything to God in prayer, but this should come first, shouldn't it? Praying for people to grow in the gospel, to have joy and pour out thanks to their Father in heaven. Let's pray that now. God, our Father, we thank and praise you for this letter from the Apostle Paul and for his powerful prayer for the Colossians. Father, we ask that you would fill us with knowledge of your will, that we would walk worthy of you and give you joyful thanks for everything you've done for us. 
Father, we pray that you would give us that same heart to be prayerful like the Apostle Paul. And that you would give us a mind to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ, here and all over the world, just as Paul prays for his brothers and sisters in Colossae. And we pray for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.